Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Hey everyone, I'm Jeff. I'm one of the pastors at Salt Church. Unfortunately, there's only one of me, so this might not be as interactive and as fun, but we get to look at the Bible. That's fun. Uh, I've been in Wollongong about seven years now. Uh, my first visit to Wollongong was for an interview, for a job interview. Uh, my second visit was to come to Salt Church when it was announced that I was joining the team of pastors here. And then my third visit was with a removal truck. So I really didn't know anything about the Illawarra when I came here, but I quickly discovered the Illawarra is full of natural beauty. The beaches, some of the greatest beaches in the world, the lush mountain ranges, the rugged escarpment, it's absolutely stunning. Uh, The view at the top of Sublime Point, if you've never been, you've got to try the view at the top of Sublime Point. It's breathtaking. It's especially breathtaking if you climbed all the ladders to get there. Uh, The Illawarra is stunning. Actually, the world is stunning. And the beauty of nature is one reason many people believe that there's a God or some being that made it all. Uh, Some people believe that an accident of chance gave us life. And gave us the sun and eyes that can take in the countless colors of a perfect sunset. But for most people, the world is too beautiful, too intricate, too designed to be an accident, to be random. Nature is too stunning to have come about accidentally. And in Psalm 19, we meet the God who made it all. Uh, as Mel and Andy said, for the next two weeks, we're looking at two Psalms. And the Psalms are like ancient Israel's Spotify playlist of their top hits. Uh, their celebration songs, their prayers, their anthems, their laments. And they were compiled into this playlist of their top 150 hits. And today we're listening to Song 19. And next week we'll look at Song 20. And this song, Song 19, is about the God who made everything... And how we can know that God. Because most people believe there's a God or a force that made everything. But we hit an immediate problem. Which God? There's a smorgasbord of options about who that God is. It seems like there might be something out there. But can you know that God? And would it make any difference to your life if you did know that God? That's what Psalm 19 is about. Who that God is how we can know that God, and the difference it makes to your life to know that God. I'm going to see three ways that we know God. The first way is that we know God in his sky. That's what the psalm tells us. Have a look at Psalm 19. Grab it on your phone. Here's what it says, Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. The reason we see the world and wonder if there's a God behind it is because there is a God behind it. The heavens, the skies declare it for everyone to see. Not just to see, but to hear. The sky speaks to us, did you notice? Look in verse 2 again. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, 
They use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. It's hard not to notice the sound of a voice, especially in the middle of the night when your neighbors shout out. It's hard not to notice the sound of a voice, and it's hard not to notice the glory of God who made the world. Every sunrise broadcasts it. Every night sky advertises the God who made the universe. Especially the sun, the most obvious thing in the sky, advertises God. Look at verse 4 again. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. If the sky can't escape our notice... The sun definitely can't. As the earth spins around the sun, as the sun travels across the sky, it gives us warmth, it gives us life, and God made the sun. Our world, our universe constantly displays the glory of the God who made it with his bare hands. We know God in his sky. And there's three things that we know about God from creation, from the sky. First, we know that God is powerful. Our humans make some pretty cool stuff. Our humans make cars, we make skyscrapers and robots and prosthetics and vaccines. But God makes the ocean. God makes galaxies. God made the sun. I can tell you facts about the sun, but that's a billion miles away from making the sun. I don't, God tells the earth to spin on its axis every single day without fail. I've never told the earth to do that. Nature shouts at us that there is a God and he is powerful. Second, God is eternal. If someone, if something caused the world to exist, well, by definition, that one was here before the world was. Uh, I'm no scientist. But I hear the world was created by a Big Bang. It's kind of the scientific theory. Uh, If the world started with a Big Bang, though, I guess I'd wonder logically, who started the bang? Where did the ingredients for life come from? If something caused the world to be here, by definition, that one was here before it started. That's what this psalm tells us. God is eternal. It came from the God of Psalm 19 who was here before us. Third, we discover that God deserves our attention. Have a listen to this from Romans 1. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. What would the excuse be? That we didn't know God was here. That's what the excuse would be. We didn't know God was here. But it's broadcast in the sky every day. In all of creation. So everyone would pay attention. And the one who's trying to get our attention is not an Instagram feed. Not your boss. Not a child. Not an advertiser or a politician or a charity asking for donations. It's God. So we know God in his sky. But not very well. We know God is powerful, eternal, deserves our attention. That's about it. Our Christians actually call this God's general revelation. Everyone can see it. 
Everyone can know it. But what we learn about God from the world is general. It's not specific. Who is God? Is God a he or a she or a force? Is God a distant watchmaker that wound the world up and let it go? Or is God actively involved at every moment in time? Uh, Most religions say that they teach us about God. Do they? Or do they all teach us something about God? Or do they all teach us nothing about God and their human inventions of what we would like God to be like? And all these questions assume God wants to be known. I mean, what if God is like a tired celebrity, sick of all the press, just wants to be left alone? If general revelation of God is all you had, no wonder most people leave Most people believe there's a God out there somewhere, but we're at a loss to say anything more about that God. You actually can't know that God more unless he speaks, which is the next part of the psalm. We know God in his speech. The next lines tell us that God speaks and then what he's speaking achieves. So have a look at verse 7 of the psalm, sentence 7. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect. And refreshes the soul. The first half of the line, God speaks. Look at verse 7. It's the laws of the Lord. The statutes of the Lord. Verse 8, it's the precepts of the Lord. It's the commands of the Lord. Verse 9, halfway through, it's the decrees of the Lord. These are all words of speaking, teaching, instructing, law, command, speaking, decrees, precepts. They're all about speaking. And we know God in the sky, but we know him more in his speech. Because this is how knowing someone works. Uh, Let me show you a picture of someone. Some of you might know this person. What can you know about this person, though, from this picture? Well, you know they're human, female. They're reasonably healthy. Perhaps they have a nice garden. Uh, They did a pretty good job of DIY haircuts from the looks of things. You can't know much more about them, though, can you, unless they speak, unless she tells you that her name is Fiona, and she grew up in country New South Wales. She's the youngest of four kids. She studied uh, speech pathology at university and a diploma of theology at Bible college. She loves tea and long chats, but because she's from the country, she calls them a cuppa and a yarn. Uh, She doesn't like coffee. She hates horror movies. She's a mom of three kids. She happens to be my wife. And she did do her DIY haircut during lockdown, and she's secretly impressed with how well it went. And then when she asked me to help on the second time, instead of cutting her hair, I cut her neck with the thing because I pushed way too hard. And then I promptly got fired, and she recovered, and it's all good now. Uh, You actually know a lot more about people if they speak, don't you? And it's the same with God. We know some things about God from the world, but so much more if God speaks, and he has spoken. Listen to Hebrews 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. God speaks to people. It's recorded for us in the Bible. And unlike general revelation, everyone can see it, but it's general, Christians call this specific or special revelation because it tells us specific special particular things about God but why does God do it why does God reveal himself why does God speak 
so we'd know him more. Especially so we'd know that God wants us to know him. He speaks so that we can have a repaired relationship with God. Repaired because we've damaged it. See, we know God in his speech, but let me show you what the rest of Romans 1 says. Actually, we've ignored what God says. Here's what it says, Romans 1. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Have you ever, it talks there about suppressing the truth, people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Uh, I think this is actually something that we've all done. Uh, Have you ever seen a speed limit sign when you're driving and not noticed it? Uh, Have you ever been walking along the street and seen a homeless person begging and not noticed them? That's what it looks like to suppress the truth, to deliberately not notice and forget something. And we've all done this at times. I remember this really stark moment that happened for me not so long ago. Uh, A couple of councils across Australia have changed the way they label their public bins. It used to be recycling and then land and sorry, recycling and waste or recycling and rubbish, but a few have changed them so it says recycling and landfill. And I remember the first time I was, I, this happened to me, I had some waste, I was about to throw it in the bin, and I looked and saw that it said landfill, and I totally balked. I thought, There's, I can't throw this in the bin and let it go to landfill. But I always knew that my waste went to landfill. I just had deliberately not noticed that that's what happened. I'd forgotten But I always knew that that was what happened. I suppressed that truth because it was inconvenient, because I didn't want to deal with it. And this verse from Romans tells us all humans have done the same thing to God. See, we know God in his sky, but not very well. We know God in his speech so much more, but we've ignored it. In what God made, it's obvious that God is so much more powerful than us. That God is so much more eternal than us. That God deserves more attention than us. It's broadcast every single day. And the one seeking our attention is not Instagram or your boss or a kid or an advertiser or a politician or a charity asking for donations. It's God. But the fact is, we have all deliberately ignored that God. We have suppressed the truth. We have not noticed that God is there because it's inconvenient to have to deal with God. And then we get special revelation. God speaks. It's even clearer who God is. It's unavoidable. Yet we avoid it. We create a smorgasbord of options of who God is. And we grab a plate and we choose the bits that we'd like. And we say things like this. I'd like to think of God as, I like to think of God as being like this, or or the God I believe in is forgiving and he's generous and he just wants me to do what makes me happy. And we deliberately suppress the truth of what God actually says about himself. 
Imagine if I did this to Fiona. Uh, if I said to her, you say you hate coffee and horror movies, but I like to think that you love coffee and horror movies. And so I've made you a cuppa and I've found an R-rated horror flick. Let's go watch it to show that I love you. Or you say you love long chats, but I prefer to think that you only want to hear from me when I want something from you. And so that's the only time I'm going to talk to you. Now, what would I do? What am I doing there? I'm suppressing the truth if I did that. I'm deliberately ignoring the truth. And isn't that so insulting? Isn't it so wrong to ignore what someone says about themselves and to tell them who you want them to be? But that's what we've done with God. We know God in his speech, but we ignored it. And all people have done this. Romans 1 tells us all people have been godless and wicked in the way we've treated God, me included. And God is angry about that. Romans 1 told us the wrath of God, the right anger of God is being poured out at that way of living. And it's right for God to be angry about that. Just like it would be right for Fiona to be angry if I treated her that way. And there's consequences for treating God this way. Just like there'd be consequences if I treated Fiona that way. It's a serious, dangerous situation that we're in. But there's nothing in Psalm 19 that shouts danger, does it? It's this celebration anthem about glory and joy and honey and the sun. Uh, What does this songwriter know? David wrote it, uh, King David from Israel. What does he know about God that means he's stoked, not scared? What is it that Christians know about God that means we're stoked and not scared? Well, David and Christians have discovered the difference it makes to know God. That God is there, that we can know that God through what he says and what he does, and that it makes a tremendous difference to know God. Because that's what the psalm's about, who God is, how you know that God, and the difference it makes to your life to know that God. And here's three things, three differences it makes. First, God satisfies our souls. Look in verse 7 with me. Verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect refreshing the soul look at verse 8 the precepts of the lord are right giving joy to the heart or verse 10 they are more precious than gold than much pure gold they are sweeter than honey than honey from the honeycomb Uh, these are not words i've ever heard anyone apply to most laws this is not how i would describe australia's laws so why would you use these words for god's laws well it's because knowing god having a relationship with god is being satisfied Uh, there was a christian in the fourth century named augustus augustine uh, and he he was addicted to sex basically uh, for most of his life addicted to sex trying to chase satisfaction everywhere he could And then suddenly he realized he could only find it in God, that actually the thing he was looking for was in God. And he said this famous line, our souls are restless until they find rest in you, God. That's what God gives. That's what knowing God leads to. 
satisfied souls. Second difference that makes to know God, God guides our steps. I look at the second half of verse 7. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Or the second half of verse 8. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Second half of verse 9. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. Verse 11. By them your servant is warned, in keeping them there is great reward. See, rather than leaving us to suppress the truth, rather than handing us over to our foolish desire to live life without God, God directs us and guides us into the right way to live. Uh, Look at verse 13. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. God guides our steps and he protects us from sin so it doesn't rule over us. So we're not overpowered by it anymore. That's what God gives. That's what knowing God leads to. And third thing, God forgives our sins. Look at verse 11 again. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgressions. If you looked back at all the wrong things you've done in your life and all the good things you'd failed to do, wouldn't you long to be forgiven for that? Uh, We tend to actually be pretty good at suppressing the truth of those things. We tend to just try and forget them, squash them down, move on. But wouldn't it be so much better to look at all the wrong you've done and all the good you've failed to do and actually be forgiven for it? Forgiven for all the times you've messed up. Forgiven for all the hidden things we don't even know about ourselves that would shock us to the core if we could see them. That's what God gives. That's what knowing God leads to. We rejected the God who made himself known in creation and in speaking, the God who deserves our attention, our obedience, our very souls. But this God is our forgiver, our teacher, our soul satisfier. And God actually went further. God came. We know God in his Son. The God we know in the sky and in speaking, we know more in his son, Jesus. Uh, Here's what Hebrews 1 tells us. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. See, in Jesus, we ultimately know God because Jesus is God in the flesh, the Son of God come amongst us, which means we don't have to go anywhere else. We don't have to go to other religions or other ideas about God. We don't have to imagine what God might be like. 
In fact, we shouldn't go anywhere else. We shouldn't go to other religions or other ideas about God. We shouldn't imagine what God might be like because God has spoken in his son. Jesus is the exact representation of the being of God. He's the glory of God. The sky and the sun, the sublime point, they broadcast the glory of God. But in a general way, Jesus shows the glory of God in a specific way, actually in all God's majesty. And he is the powerful God, the eternal God who made the world. Do you see what it says there? Through Jesus the Son, God the Father made the universe. All the stunning things that take our breath away. The God the Father made them through Jesus, through the Son. And Jesus sustains the universe. He's not a watchmaker distant who just sets and forgets. He's actively sustaining things. The reason, the only reason the earth doesn't crumple and implode like a crumpled can of soft drink is because Jesus tells it not to. He's active here. He's keeping the sun in place. He's causing the earth to spin. And the way Jesus sustains all things, did you notice, is by his word. God doesn't simply speak in the past to reveal himself. He's still speaking. In Jesus, we ultimately know God. And in Jesus, we ultimately see the difference it makes to know God. Because he repairs the relationship with God for anyone who will trust and obey him. The serious, dangerous situation that all people were in, waiting for the consequences from a God who is rightly angry that we've deliberately ignored him, Jesus repairs that relationship. Jesus' death in our place is the reason God forgives us. And Jesus guides our steps in new ways, not by God's laws that are outside us that we struggle to know and we struggle to keep. Now it's by God's Spirit in us, guiding and protecting us so we're not ruled, we're not overpowered by sin anymore. And Jesus satisfies our souls. Our soul is restless until it finds rest in God through Jesus. See, we know God in his son. And Jesus is more precious than gold, than much pure gold. Jesus is sweeter than honey. Jesus is greater than anything. We know God in his son. But we can know him better. And let me say to you, if you're listening in, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. You're kind of exploring Jesus and what he says about life. Let me say to you, you need to trust him. You need to trust him. At the very least, you need to find out more to see if what I'm saying today is true. Because I've made some bold claims about God today. They're not my claims, though. They're Jesus' claims. This is what the Bible says about itself. I'm just trying to show you what the Bible says. And if it's true that God can be known, that God wants to be known, but we suppress that truth because it's inconvenient, and if it's true that there'll be consequences for doing that, and if it's true that God will forgive you and guide you and satisfy your souls, then at the least you need to see if it's true. Because it makes all the difference in the world to know God. And let me talk to you if you call yourself a Christian. If you do know Jesus, 
We can know him better. Where do we go to know him better? I love seeing the power of God in creation. Uh, it's, it's awe-inspiring. Uh, I heard about a Christian who was on a flight and uh, it flew into some turbulence and actually into the middle of a lightning storm. And all the passengers on the plane were totally freaking out. And he was too. But he saw the lightning and it reminded him of a verse in the Bible, in the book of Job, where God says, I tell the lightning where it should strike. And in the midst of this lightning storm, he was suddenly overwhelmed by how massive our God is. And he had this smile on his face and he shook his head in wonder. We learn about God from the world that he made. Actually, my wife, Fiona, was telling me uh, a guy named Josh, who's a pastor at a church down in Melbourne, put this video out just after the earthquake uh, that's just happened recently in Melbourne, quoting from another psalm that talks about how when the earth shakes, God is still in control. And he sent this out because he was reminded of that fact in the midst of this earthquake. We learn God, we learn about God from the world, but what we learn about God is general. The way we know God more and deeper is in what God says. And this is actually how the two halves of the psalm fit together. This is how they link. All people can see the world, and many people believe something's behind it, something made it, but Christians can see God the Father made it. Christians can see God the Father's glory in the world because we know God the Father from his word. Special revelation fills in, builds on, explains general revelation. And we need God's speaking because no one was ever saved by seeing the power of God in a sunset. That's never happened. That will never happen. People are saved as they hear God's word that you can come to Jesus and be saved. These two things go together, but special revelation, what God says, what he shows us in his son, that's the thing that fills in, builds on, expands, explains general revelation. You see it in the psalm. The heavens declare the glory of God. They speak to us because we know the Lord, the Lord Yahweh in his word. That's how they link. And God can speak any way he wants. God can do whatever he wants. He's God. Of course he can do whatever he wants. But where do we go to know God better? We've got to go where God promises to reveal himself. He promises to speak and reveal as we read the Bible. And this is why we make a big deal of the Bible at Soul Church. We're always reading it, always talking about it, always unpacking it, so that we can go to the place and listen to God in the place that he's promised to speak. And now some Christians at some times experience God speaking in other ways, a kind of an audible voice or a dream or those kinds of things. And God may do that for you. And if he does, God tells us in the Bible to test it against the Bible. Because uh, there's actually a point in the Bible where Satan speaks to Jesus and he quotes the Bible to Jesus even. But it's Satan speaking. We need to check it. And see, is it what God actually says? Is it just my preferences and what I would want? Is it something more sinister? He may do that for you. Uh, and it would be awesome if he did. But we don't have to chase that. We don't have to chase those experiences. And we don't have to feel like we're missing out if we never have them. Because God has told us he'll speak to us in the Bible personally, by his powerful spirit every time we look at it. 
Uh, This is the way I heard one pastor put it. If God is calling you on the phone, why would you stick your head in the microwave to try and hear him? God has promised to speak to us in the Bible. So go to the Bible. Go to the place where God has promised that we'll know him more. That's what we need to do if you know Jesus. Go to the Bible to know God more. And second, last, if you do know Jesus, why would you get to know him more? Why would you get to know God better? Well, partly for our own sakes. He guides our steps. He satisfies our souls. He lets us enjoy him. Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want to know God better if that's what knowing God leads to? Partly know God more for our own sake, but partly for God's sake. Look at the very last verse of this psalm, verse 14. It says, May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. When you stop ignoring what someone says about themselves so when you stop telling them who we want them to be and when you start listening to what they say about themselves that pleases them this is why i've never given fiona a cup of coffee or made her sit through a heart sit through a horror movie this is why i have long chats with fiona it's how i love her and how i show her that i love her and if that's true of people how much more true is that of god If we treat God as he's revealed himself to be, that pleases our Father God. If we put effort into knowing what God says about himself, that pleases our Father God. But we've got temptations here, and I share in these temptations. One is just to be lazy or to be distracted by trivia instead of by knowing God. I was speaking to someone recently, and they were saying, I don't want to read the Bible it's boring. I'd rather read another book. I'd rather read a novel. I can kind of relate. But what is that? What am I saying about God then when I do that? Of course, the Bible's not as fun as watching Netflix or reading some blow up explosion novel or whatever it is that you read. But this is how we know God, the one who satisfies our souls. I think this is one of our temptations that we're lazy. We're distracted by trivia instead of by knowing God. And last thing, I think there's truths about God that we still want to suppress. We don't want to suppress everything as Christians. There's some things we absolutely love. Forgiveness, that God guides us in a bunch of ways. We love that. But there's other parts of what God says that we don't like. There's things God says about how we're meant to live that we don't notice on the pages of the Bible. We deliberately don't notice them. Or we get our beliefs about God from the Bible and from the smorgasbord of the world's ideas and we just pick up whatever we want and we don't check and see, is that actually what God says? And I'm guilty of these same things, but this is the lifelong journey, the lifelong challenge for us as Christians to know God more so we can please him more, to know better our forgiver, our teacher, our soul satisfying God. How about I pray and ask God to help us do that? Father God, thank you so much that you have made yourself known. You are not unknowable. You've revealed yourself in the things you've made, the things you've said, and ultimately in your son. And we praise you for that, God, because we know without that we would be lost, so lost and helpless and trapped in our sin. 
Thank you so much, God, that you forgive us. You welcome us back through your son. You're our teacher. You satisfy our souls. We praise you, Lord, that you've treated us that way when we have ignored you. Help us to stop ignoring you, especially if we've never followed you. And for those of us who are Christians, help us to stop ignoring you in particular parts of your word or what you say, but to live in a way that would please and honor you. Amen.